3: When a person disappears without a trace, often the most critical information is hidden in their actions and words from the days before they vanished. Tina McQuaig's last known whereabouts may hold the clues to what happened to her. A young mother is about to achieve her goal of becoming a pharmacist.
4: She had been studying for about two or three months and the next month she was going to take the the test to get her certification.
3: One evening, after leaving work in Jacksonville, Florida, she mysteriously vanishes.
5: And I said, something's wrong here. Something's wrong, and somebody needs to start doing something.
6: When her
3: abandoned car is discovered, authorities are baffled by the location.
6: Tina's car was parked as though she was meeting someone and left a car and left with that person.
3: As detectives dig deeper into her life, Tina's secrets start spilling out.
6: And this best friend had more knowledge about her than I would say her husband had about her.
7: I said, well, you don't understand this ain't like her. She wouldn't do anything like this.
3: An unexpected turn of events leads the investigation much closer to home than anyone could have imagined.
7: What their thought and who their person of interest was, he was part of the family.
3: 27-year-old Tina McQuaig treasures her life in Baldwin, Florida. Just outside of Jacksonville, the quiet rural community is an ideal place for Tina and her husband, Otis, to raise their four-year-old son, Tyler.
7: We had a lot of family that lived out there with a lot of kids, a lot of nieces and nephews. So every weekend was either a birthday party or a cookout. Every weekend something was going on and we just always had the family together family is important to Tina
3: having come from a loving
7: home herself
4: Tina was born the day after my birthday I went into labor on my birthday the fourth of May she was a sweet little child she really was Tina loved everybody she was just one of those huggers and smoochers you know just loved everybody
3: Tina was a well-liked child who made friends easily. When she was 15, she caught the eye of a local boy and their romance took off.
5: She met Otis when they were in high school. He was a little surfer boy at the time, so they kind of hit it off and they just went
7: from there. It was my 16th birthday party, and I was at my friend's house, and I seen her a couple times past when I tell her, hey, it's my birthday, give me a hug. And the uh, last time I passed her, I said, hey, it's my birthday, give me a kiss. And she did, and we started dating after that.
3: Despite some rocky times over the next few years, the couple decides to marry in 1995.
4: Tina and Otis' wedding day turned out perfectly. We had planned everything, and it was a perfect day for everyone.
1: Well, there's a picture that I thought she had the most gorgeous look on her face when she started to walk up the stairs and her daddy was standing at the top of those stairs I can see that just like it was yesterday
3: after the wedding Tina and Otis settle in Baldwin and soon after their son Tyler is born
7: when he was born you could just see it on her face she loved him and that was a lot that was a joy of her life. She loved him. Tyler came first. Tyler was number one.
4: Tina, I always felt, was very, very responsible, especially when the baby came. She even showed it more. Um, She was a wonderful mom.
3: Tina and Otis share responsibilities of family and work. He is starting his training as an air conditioning mechanic and Tina works as a pharmacy technician.
7: Tina worked at a few places until she landed a good job with the local hospital here, Shands of Jacksonville.
4: Actually, when she was very young, Tina wanted to be a nurse. Well, she did end up working in a hospital, but not as a nurse.
3: Tina recognizes that the job at the hospital is a perfect fit and sets a goal for herself to become a full-fledged pharmacist.
7: She was good at her work, always had good compliments from other people. She liked helping people, you know, especially the elder, and she liked that satisfaction out of that.
3: With her certification exam looming ahead, she squeezes in time to study when she can.
4: She had been probably studying for about two or three months, and the next month she was going to take the, the test to get her certification.
3: Otis is also getting ready for his mechanics test.
7: We were both up and coming, you know, on our way.
3: On Wednesday, March 15, 2000, Otis feels a twinge of anxiety that reminds him of his high school days. He's scheduled to take his air conditioning mechanics exam that morning. Still, he tries to maintain their normal routine.
7: The day that I took my test, we got dressed together that morning to go to work. We gave each other a kiss, said I love you, and she went on to work.
3: Tina makes her way to work at the hospital in downtown Jacksonville. It's slow that day at the pharmacy, and she speaks to her father a number of times to discuss the purchase of the property where she and Otis are currently living.
5: I had talked to her a couple times on the phone that day. The piece of property that their mobile home was on was owned by Otis's brother. Now, we may have discussed a couple other things, but uh, I do remember having those discussions with her that day.
3: After completing his exam... Otis heads home at the end of the day to relieve his sister-in-law, who is babysitting for four-year-old Tyler.
7: I had came in from work, and she told me that Tina was going to be late that day. Uh, that she had to stop by, you know, the grocery store. I started dinner, and uh, usually she got off at 5 o'clock. She'd be home maybe quarter to 6, 6 o'clock.
3: With dinner ready to go, Otis waits for his wife. He puts Tyler to bed, but soon he becomes irritated and a little puzzled.
4: Otis called us about 6, 6.30, and he asked me if I'd seen Tina. I said, no, I haven't seen Tina. Why? Well, she hasn't come home from work yet, he said. I said, well, maybe she's with some friends or something, and they decided to stop off and have a drink or something, you know, I don't know.
7: Seven o'clock rolled around. I started calling some of her friends. Have you seen Tina? Have you heard from Tina? Nobody's heard from her.
3: It's out of character for Tina not to tell her husband about her plans. And since she doesn't own a cell phone, he can't reach her. Around 9 p.m., Otis decides to drive in the direction of her workplace, Shan's Hospital in Jacksonville.
7: I wanted to trace her tracks to make sure she didn't break down or anything like that. I went from the house to the hospital, drove around the outside of the parking lot because I couldn't get in it.
3: Since the parking garage gates are down, Otis can't tell if Tina's car is inside or not.
7: From there, I drove back towards the house, stopped off at, at the store where she supposedly had gone, nothing there, and I came back to the house and Tina still wasn't there.
3: Around 10.30 p.m., Otis decides to call the police. But they tell him they can't offer any assistance.
7: They're telling me that she needs to be missing for 24 hours. I said, well, you don't understand. This ain't like her. She wouldn't do anything like this.
3: Otis tries to stay awake, waiting for Tina's return, but eventually falls asleep. The next morning, to his disbelief, Tina is still not home. Otis is at a loss.
4: Early in the morning, but probably around 6, 6.30, I guess it was, Otis called me and told me that Tina had not come home.
5: And uh, we got out of there, and then Otis started trying to get a hold of somebody at the sheriff's office to start some kind of an investigation and find out what's going on here.
3: But Tina still hasn't been missing a full 24 hours. And he was He was getting nowhere.
5: So I just finally said, Give me the phone. I said, This is her father. I know that she wouldn't have taken off. I said she got a four-year-old son that she that son rosa set on. And I said, something something's wrong here. Somebody needs to start doing something. I told him where she worked and uh, basically he just said, Okay, I'm on it and
3: I'm heading to uh, Shans. The police arrive at Shans Hospital and question Tina's co-workers. No one had noticed anything unusual about her from the previous day. Investigators also pull surveillance footage from around the time Tina left work.
7: From surveillance from the hospital, uh, they were able to confirm that it was Tina that showed her getting in an elevator, getting off, getting into a car by herself, and leaving under the arm that let you out with nobody in the car.
3: Tina's family is puzzled and beginning to panic. They can't imagine where she could be. Tina McQuaig, a vivacious wife and young mother, hasn't been seen for two days. On March 15, 2000, she calls her babysitter to say she would be stopping by the grocery store after work. That is the last anyone has heard from her.
7: I figured she would show up that morning to get ready to go to work, and she never did. We knew something was wrong. But
3: Tina never comes home. Detectives search along the various routes Tina could have taken to get home, but they don't find any sign of her or her car. Soon, the media gets hold of the story.
8: It was a case that had some profile to it because it was somebody who wasn't expected to be gone. I mean, she was, she was in a profession. She was going to be taking some tests to, uh, you know, to advance her career. I mean, she had things to do in her life.
3: Tina's family is anxious with worry. They huddle together at the McQuig home in Baldwin. But days pass, and still no Tina.
1: Well, the following days after Tina came up missing, Otis was a nervous wreck. He would sit there and he'd start talking about her and he'd start crying.
3: On Sunday, March 19th, four agonizing days after Tina was last seen, there's finally a break in the case. A friend of Tina's father calls.
5: And he said that uh, his daughter had found Tina's car. I said, where is it? He said, it's at the Walmart on Normandy Boulevard. I said, are you absolutely sure that it's Tina's car? He
3: said, yeah, I'm positive. The friend had seen the story in the newspaper that described Tina's car and the license plate number. He tells Tina's father, Elmer, that he has already called the sheriff's office.
5: Well, once
3: they found the car,
5: everybody out there naturally wanted to go over there. And I pretty much took control and said, I'm going over there. And uh, But I want everybody else to stay here, and I wouldn't tell them why.
3: What Elmer doesn't express to his family is his overwhelming fear that they will find his daughter in the trunk of that car. He races to the location. The police are already there.
5: Before long, there was crime scene units and police officers everywhere. I mean, it was like ants out there, it seemed like.
6: Tina's car was parked close to the entryway of the parking lot. Jason to Normandy Boulevard, as though she was meeting someone and left a car and left with that person.
3: The police won't let Elmer touch the car. But he rushes over to an officer to relay his biggest concern.
5: And got over there and spoke with the officer then, uh, asked him if he had any idea whether she could possibly be in the trunk. And uh he said no. She was in there, you know, after four days you know, older and what have you, they would know it.
3: But Elmer needs to see for himself to be convinced. He verifies that the vehicle belongs to Tina. It has Tyler's baby seat in the back, as well as her lab
1: coat.
4: I was on pins and needles, because all I could think was, oh, God, don't let this be her in the trunk of this car or something.
3: When the police finally pop open the trunk, to Elmer's great relief, there is no Tina. He calls back to the house with the
4: news. I was relieved when we found out that she wasn't in the car and um, there was still hope, you know, that she was somewhere still alive.
3: The police examine the car and discover that Tina's keys and purse are missing. Then they fingerprint the vehicle and tow it away for further processing. No one in Tina's family can make sense of the car's location.
4: I wondered why would it be parked at a Walmart? It was out of the way, you know, so that's not even on our normal uh, ride home.
7: Nothing vandalized, no signs of, you know, forced entry in the car where it was stolen or anything. But she was gone, her purse was gone, and the
6: keys were gone. Police bring a canine unit to scour the area. The area where the Walmart is located is uh, commercial as well as residential, uh, but also uh, a few spots of wooded area that could be searched by k canine and patrol. We processed that whole area and, and trying to search and find any clue that would lead, her, lead us to uh, Tina.
3: But no other traces of Tina are found. Eager to learn more about the missing woman, detectives begin to dig a little deeper into the McQuaig marriage. They soon discover... That the relationship was strained
6: when we talk into the husband you get information that their marriage wasn't the best of marriages and uh you go from there
3: three months before she disappeared tina had asked for a divorce Otis tells police this caught him by complete surprise
7: tina had come to me and talked to me about that she wasn't happy and uh It was just a shock. it, It was something out of the ordinary. She did ask for a divorce. I couldn't believe it, and I didn't want her to go.
1: Otis and Tina still had their little arguments and stuff like that, but I just never, I never thought that Otis and Tina would get a divorce.
3: Otis says he asked Tina to stay with him at least through Christmas. She agreed and said she would move out in January 2000, But the month passed, and Tina discovered she'd had a change of heart.
7: Her parents even asked her at that time, I thought, uh, you were going to leave. And she told them, no, I love Otis, and I want to stay there. And uh, I did everything that I could, you know, uh, send her flowers, bring her flowers home, Uh, anything I could to keep her there, because I loved her.
3: Life seemed to be back to normal for the McQaigs.
7: And then we started checking in about buying the property that we were on. And uh, that was in the works. And my certification was coming up. It was like everything was on, on track, on its way.
3: But three months later, on a seemingly ordinary Wednesday in March, Tina McQuaig disappears. Although Otis maintains that he and Tina had gotten through their rocky stretch, detectives want to know more about their relationship.
6: Based on the witnesses we talked to, their testimony statements, saying that their marriage was exchanged, we had to follow up on it.
3: What Otis slowly comes to realize is that the detectives are focused on him as a potential suspect.
7: I just wanted to know where Tina was at. You know, the questions were were at that time irrelevant, what he was asking.
2: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which
4: you can find the plan that fits you best. Find
1: out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com.
0: Burrow's furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
9: Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N O O M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
3: 27-year-old Tina McQuaig inexplicably disappears one spring day in 2000. The city of Jacksonville is gripped by the story of the young mother who never came home to her young son. The most promising break comes when her car is located in a Walmart parking lot. But it leads detectives nowhere. Investigators learn that the McQuaig marriage is not as rock-solid as they originally thought they bring her husband, Otis, in for questioning.
7: Some of the questions that they were asking were, it started to come together in my head, that, like they were insinuating that I had something to do with it.
6: Otis was looked at as a suspect based on the information we received from other people, their problems in marriage, uh, wanting a divorce. They had me bawling in there. They had even... uh
7: at one time, started in a a slow tone question and ended into a yelling at me, and that's why you did it,
6: didn't you? And I was like, no. Ms. McQuaig volunteered to take the polygraph. He was very cooperative, and the results of his polygraph were very positive. Uh, No deception.
3: With the polygraph results and corroboration from Otis's employer that he was in fact at work the day Tina disappeared, Otis is eliminated as a suspect.
7: I was angry about that because I'm like, I didn't have anything to do with this. You need to be out there finding out what's, where she is first.
3: Tina has now been missing for weeks. Her family is overcome with despair.
4: The weeks that followed were very difficult for me, personally, I, I just, I just broke down.
3: Police monitor Tina's bank records for any activity.
1: They checked her bank statement and everything, and they kept an eye on it for so long. And there was no action or anything on there.
3: Desperate to feel they are doing something to help find Tina, her family papers the city with flyers in hopes that someone will recognize her.
4: So we had flyers made, and then we found Otis's uncle was working for a printing company, and he did a bunch of them for us in a big yellow, um, my gosh, I think it was 11 by 24 sheets. They were very large sheets and very big pictures that we could use. And he printed up probably 15,000 of those for us.
3: It is a daunting task to make their way around Jacksonville, a sprawling city that stretches over 750 square miles.
8: Jacksonville and the surrounding area, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of rural area. There's a lot of woods, there's a lot of waterways, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, places where, uh, where, where things can disappear and can be made to disappear.
3: Meanwhile, the detectives continue to press their investigation forward. After interviewing Tina's friends and co-workers, they discovered that Tina had a close friend named Tammy who seemed to know more about Tina McQuaig than anyone else.
6: During our investigation with the employees at Shan's Hospital, everyone said that she had a best friend. Talking to this best friend, we learned that Tina and her would go out and drink. So they partied together. They hung out. They were best friends. She had knowledge of uh, things that her husband never knew about. A few days later,
3: Tammy visits the McQuaig home in Baldwin. When detectives call and learn that she's there, they summon Otis down to the station. They tell him to bring Tammy.
7: So they got us down to the police station and uh, turned to Tammy and asked, uh, what about this affair she was having? And I was like, a what? Floored me, I was floored. Uh, She dropped her head and started to cry.
6: During our investigation, a best friend of Miss McQuaig told us about a relationship with a coworker that Tina had. Tina and his co-worker became friends, and uh, from friends to a relationship. Otis is stunned.
3: He had no clue that Tina had any kind of relationship with another man.
7: They took her into another room and talked to her for about a half hour and then commenced to tell me things that I really didn't want to hear. So they had me upset I was upset.
1: It was hearsay as far as I was concerned, you know, and I told her, I said, you don't know that. I said, you really don't know. And uh, so that kind of calmed him down a little bit.
3: Tammy tells detectives about a specific incident between Tina and her coworker.
6: He showed up at one of their family functions, which made her uncomfortable, and uh, that resulted in a verbal altercation.
3: With this new information, Detective Smith begins to wonder if this man could have anything to do with Tina's disappearance. Could she have ended the relationship too abruptly? Did he want more than she was willing to give? Smith brings the man in for questioning.
6: We uh, talked to the co-worker a number of times. He was cooperative from the beginning, but became uh, uncooperative as the investigation went on. He was asked to do a polygraph, in which he did say he would, but later refused, and then got a lawyer, in which we cannot talk to him anymore.
3: Detective Smith checks out his alibi. When his employer confirms that he was out on an electrical contracting job at another location the day Tina disappeared, he is cleared. Detective Smith is back at square one. Meanwhile, Otis is left alone to grapple with a mix of emotions. He misses Tina desperately, but he's hurt by what he's heard about her straying from him. He wants so badly to confront his wife. But as the days and weeks pass, he doesn't know if he'll ever get the chance.
7: When I first heard about the affair, I was totally shocked. The shock went to anger. Uh, The first thing that came to my mind is I want to talk to her and find out why.
3: 27-year-old Tina McQuaig leaves her job at a hospital pharmacy one evening in March 2000 and is never seen again. Revelations about her personal life leave her family stunned. Detectives question a co-worker about his relationship with Tina, wondering if this was an affair gone awry. But when this lead comes to a dead end, the investigation starts to falter.
6: It started going cold, and the leads that were coming in were leads with nothing of value. Tina's family, trying to get through day after day
3: without any answers is excruciating.
5: We were pretty much basket cases. Uh, I mean, as far as neither one of us could work. I think I burned up on my vacation and wound up taking like a 30-day leave of absence.
7: About six months after all that, I had taken off work. So I went back to work, um, trying to, you know, just live a normal life and uh it was just really hard uh by myself i mean the family helped out with tyler when i had to work or you know it was just it, it was really hard when you when you have a four year old and his mama's not there anymore and i was asking where his mama is is she where is she coming back
5: her son doesn't know what's going on yet he's gonna have to be told something uh we just want her home we want her
4: home we want her well he was also starting t-ball Tina had been taking him to practice for about a month it was very difficult because you just don't know and when you don't know and you wonder why you know it just eats you it eats you up Tina's
3: mother Linda can cope only by staying busy and trying to keep her daughter's story
4: alive the only thing we could concentrate on was getting the flyers out and trying to keep the media involved.
3: Linda contacts other families in the area whose adult children have also gone missing.
4: We were coming up with ideas of what we could do to bring awareness in Jacksonville because our kids were missing and we wanted this city to remember that. We didn't want them forgotten, so we did that.
8: Tina's mom, she... Started a foundation for missing families and, um, and, and promoted that a lot and, and kept up with us. And she'd call and say, you know, we're, we're doing this, we're doing that, we're putting up billboards and that sort of thing.
3: Months turn into a year, and then another year. For Detective Smith,
6: it is a rare case when he can't produce results. In this case that I worked with Tina, it was hard at times. At times it was, just made you angry because you couldn't go forward with the investigation because of certain aspects of it.
3: But in December 2002, almost three years after Tina went missing, everything changes. A discovery in the woods at an old Navy base reignites Tina's case.
7: The day after Christmas, we were watching on TV and they said that a body had been found out at Cecil Field.
3: Cecil Field, a former Naval base, is located just eight miles further on the same road where Tina's car was found.
5: And I don't know whether it was instinct or what it was, but uh, when I heard that, I just knew they'd found her.
3: When police learned that a land surveyor walking through the woods found something that looked like it could be human remains, they send forensic teams to comb through the area.
4: When they said, remains were found i thought that was kind of strange because that's not too far from where her car was found i felt like they were probably going to be tina's uh, although we didn't know yet just a day or two later the detectives called us they wanted to come out and speak with us then i knew why they were coming
6: photographs of the remains were taken of uh, certain items at the uh, scene uh, those photographs were shown to uh, my victim's parents uh, to see if they could identify any uh, portion of them. The first one that they
7: showed us was the wedding ring that I bought her. The second item was the watch that her mama bought her for Christmas, that the Christmas before, just a few months ago. And that was devastating. We knew then that that was her.
3: To confirm the remains are Tina's, DNA samples are sent to a lab to be tested. In March 2003, the three-year anniversary of Tina's disappearance, the results come in.
4: So after 13 weeks, they told us that there was a match, that these were definitely Tina's remains. My world crushed. Um, now I knew, well, now my hope is gone. It's. It's over now.
7: We were all hoping that she was still alive. Sometimes people just leave. And uh, for my son's sake, I was hoping that one day she would come back.
3: The years of wondering and waiting for news about Tina's whereabouts have come to an
7: end. There was some comfort in knowing that at least she had been found. Not total closure, but somewhat of closure. Uh, The next step was justice.
3: Tina McQuaig's remains were discovered on a closed naval base in Jacksonville, Florida in December 2002. It was nearly three years since she went missing. After identifying pieces of her jewelry that were found with the remains and receiving a DNA confirmation, the mystery of where she has been all these years has finally been put to rest. But now, Tina's family faces a host of new and painful questions.
4: Now I know, I know what's happened. I don't know why, I don't know who. Those are the biggest things that that eat at you, you know, why?
3: For Detective Smith and his team, there is much work to be done.
6: You reinvestigate from the beginning, starting all over again, and looking at a different angle at the case.
3: The medical examiner begins the painstaking task of inspecting Tina's remains for clues to help the investigators determine how she died and perhaps lead them to her killer.
6: During the investigation and also the autopsy that was revealed, there were no trauma to her bones that would say that how she died, where she was shot, or beaten, uh, or anything like that.
3: But after nearly three years of exposure in the woods, it's almost impossible to find the exact cause of death.
6: Going back to the scene where her remains were found, based on the time, the animal activity, her bones being scattered about, uh, evidence being scattered about, and the weather, uh, it was kind of inconclusive of, of how she died. Still.
3: Detective Smith and the medical examiner believe that the circumstances surrounding Tina's disappearance point to a homicide.
4: Who in the world would do something like this? How cruel could somebody be to do this to another person? The autopsy report indicated that it was a homicide by violence. Um, That's all we know. They couldn't tell us anything else. We don't know if she suffered or not.
3: Although Detective Smith isn't able to get any real answers from Tina's remains, the location where she was found triggers an important recollection from early on in the investigation.
6: When the remains of uh, Tina McQuaid was found uh, out at Cecilville, it really sparked an interest uh, in the investigation for me because there was a person that we talked to uh, that was brought into the investigation by the close friend. This person happened to be uh, an employee of that area. He is also Tina's
3: neighbor, and according to her friends, they were romantically involved. When Detective Smith remembers that this man worked at Cecil Field at that time, alarms go
6: off. It was just too coincidental. It was just too easy uh, to put the two together and say, this could possibly happen.
3: At the time of Tina's disappearance, Cecil Field was not fully open to the public, but employees of the naval
6: base had easy access. There was uh, post-it guards who wrote your name in and out for access. But uh, if you were an employee, you were like waved on to the base without question.
3: Smith remembers being bothered by the neighbor's demeanor during the investigation.
6: When we first interviewed this person that worked out at Cecil Field, he was a uh, cooperative uh, to a certain extent, and then he became deceiving. It, made me anxious to uh, talk to him again and uh, try to go at them hard to see if they had anything to do with her demise. Smith
3: brings the man in for questioning again and a polygraph test. But Smith says the man is evasive. Smith has also gotten a tip that the man planned to sabotage the investigation with products he thinks will influence the results of the polygraph.
6: Things such as um, antiperspirant on the fingertips, um, NyQuil to take to deceive us uh, on a polygraph, things like that. And those things were verified by
3: looking into his vehicle while he was being interviewed. Since polygraph tests measure heart rate and skin conductivity or perspiration, Smith surmises that the neighbor believes he can fool the polygraph. He voluntarily submits to a test.
6: The results of this person's uh, interview were very deceptive. There was nothing... To say they were true statements, he was very deceptive.
3: Detective Smith believes his suspicions are strong enough to alert Tina's family. Although Otis was told that his wife may have had an extramarital relationship with this man, he did not know he was also under suspicion until now.
7: We never put two and two together until the police came to us and and gave us that information. I was in shock.
1: It was just so hard for
7: me to believe. I said, you're on the wrong page.
5: I I just don't believe that 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 could be a person of interest in this case. They gave me some, some things that led them in that person's direction, very few, and I still, I still said, no, I I just don't, just don't believe it.
3: But when Tina's husband, Otis, thinks back to when Tina first disappeared, something doesn't sit right with him.
7: When the investigation first started, friends and family members all gathered at the house. And we thought back on, where is he at? He never came around. That was a a strange feeling.
1: And um, they were always over at the house. They were coming and going. But he never came around when Tina come up missing.
7: He had told the police that their relationship was rock solid, him and his wife's. And within a couple months after the investigation, their divorce, they had moved out. Uh, She went to Daytona. He moved up into Georgia. And that was just a little strange. Never saw him again.
3: And yet, despite the circumstances surrounding this individual, police can only theorize about a motive for the killing. They have nothing physical tying him to Tina's murder.
6: We only had one half of the story, basically. And uh, that person denied any involvement whatsoever with the victim. I would like to think that the person that I think done it is a person actually just homicide. But without any physical evidence or something that includes include him to this investigation, there is really... Nowhere to go at this time. As frustrating as
3: it is for Tina's family, justice will have to wait.
5: Until there's an arrest made and a trial and hopefully a conviction, uh, it's, you know, we, we just have to go day at a time. That's all you can do.
3: Detective Smith and the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office say they remain committed to the case. On March 15, 2011, the 11-year anniversary of Tina's disappearance, a press conference is held to announce a $5,000 reward for information leading to the capture and conviction of her killer.
1: Today, the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office, the Nader family, the Tina McQuake family, along with the Justice Coalition, are posting a $5,000 reward for the arrest and the conviction of the person or persons responsible for this murder.
3: While the continued interest in Tina's case gives her family hope for answers, pain and loss have become a way of life.
4: It's all in God's hands. I tell you, if he wants it to happen, he'll let it happen. If he wants me to know, in other words, he'll, he'll let us know in some way.
5: We've moved forward some just by having her uh, remains and being able to take care of that part of it. And just like we've been doing for 11 years, you know, hope. And uh, that's all you can do.
4: I just want her to re- be remembered as a, as a as a good person because she was a very good person and a wonderful mom. I, could, I, could, I was so proud of her. She was a wonderful mom. Normal for us will never be the normal we had. Uh, It's a different life. Everything's changed. It's been
3: 11 years since Tina McQuaig disappeared, leaving her husband Otis with questions and heartache. But time has at least given him some
7: perspective. My first reaction when I found out of some of the stuff that Tina was doing, I was angry. And uh, more so less because I couldn't ask why. Uh, that's something that I, I'll never get an answer to. But it, after time went on, she was a good person. And no matter what, she didn't deserve any of that to happen to her.